You're listening to the weekly podcast of Hope Community Church, where we desire to see people transformed by the love of Christ. Join us as we study God's Word together. We continue the conversation we've been having about well, what does it look like to have a healthy soul and how do you have one? This morning I want to talk about, in the same way that your physical body needs oxygen, your soul needs oxygen. The subject that we're talking about this morning is really not very hard to understand. It's just not so easy to do. I want to talk about forgiveness. You may have heard uh, the name William, or not William, Walter Bonatti. Walter Bonatti was an Italian mountain climber. Uh, Many see him as the not only greatest mountain climber of his generation, but of every generation. In 1954, he's 24 years old, he was part, a member of an Italian climbing team that became the first in the world to conquer K2. Now, if you're not a mountain person, K2, what does that mean? K2 is the second highest mountain in the world. Wikipedia says, and Wikipedia never lies, (laughs) that K2 is known as the Savage Mountain because of the difficulty of the ascent and the second highest fatality rate among professional climbers. For every four people who reach the summit of K2, one dies in the effort. So, 2011, at the age of 81, Bonatti died. The obituary in the New York Times, strangely, this this man who conquered mountains like very few people who have ever lived, the obituary in the New York Times didn't really talk so much about all of his exploits. It talked more about something that happened on 1954 when they climbed K2. This is what happened. It's actually a team, and there were four of them, and here was the deal. Bonatti and his partner were supposed to meet the other two at 26,000 feet at this camp, and they were bringing the oxygen. The other two guys were supposed to meet them there with tents and supplies and stuff they needed to make it through the night so that they could the next morning get to the summit. So Bonatti and his friend get there first, and to their surprise, their friends aren't there yet. So there they are. It's late afternoon. They have these um, oxygen tanks, and they wait. Hour passes, two hours. Night is falling, and their two friends don't show up. So now they have to face the night with no gear, no food, no tents. Almost died that night on the side of the mountain. Morning comes, and really, to save their lives, they, make, they leave the oxygen tanks, and they make a beeline down the hill. When they get to the bottom, they, they live through the event, but his partner actually lost fingers and toes to frostbite. However, when Bonatti and his partner find out later that about an hour or two after they left the oxygen tanks, their two friends showed up, took the oxygen tanks, and went the rest of the way up the mountain. He was convinced that they did it on purpose. And so he, I don't know how the court works among mountain climbers, but the Italian group that organizes that judged the case and judged against Bonatti, denying his accusations. 
And for the rest of his life, he lived with that ache in his soul. Stopped climbing mountains with other people, just did it by himself. Interesting, uh, his girlfriend, his wife, when he died, uh, wrote this about him. The K2 story was a big thorn in his heart. He couldn't believe that after all these years, nobody apologized or nobody acknowledged the truth. The falseness left a mark on his life. Interesting, in his own book, Mountains of My Life, Walter Bernardi wrote, my disappointments came from people, not from mountains. A guy who was able to conquer physical things that most of us could only ever dream about, but was unable to forgive. Forgiveness is the central message of the gospel. The essence of the good news is that we can be forgiven and that we can forgive. The message is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That the reconciliation came at the price of his life for our sins so that they would no longer be counted against us. That is forgiveness. And now that message has been given to us. If you read Jesus, forgiveness is not optional. You, you can't read Jesus and go, oh, well, in this situation, no. It's not an option. It, it's life. This is the way C.S. Lewis put it. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. So, let me read you the text. If you study the life of Jesus, if you read the scriptures, one of the things that is true of God that is not true of us is that words and actions are always the same with God. When God says something, it, it, it's not words, it is. So Jesus says to his friends, forgive each other. And one of his friends says, how many, like seven times? Would that be good? And Jesus says, who told you that? No. Get out your calculator. We're, we're going 70 times seven. And in fact, if somebody hits you on the right cheek, turn the left cheek. Seriously? But now Jesus himself, the son of God, is wrongly accused, nailed to a Roman cross, mocked, scorned. That's what he said. What does it look like? Well, let me read it to you. This comes from Luke chapter 23. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified Jesus there, along with the criminals. One on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. that They don't know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers sneered at him. 
They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he's God the Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked Jesus. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. It was written on a notice above him and read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. We are getting what our deeds deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember, we, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. Beautiful. Can I just say to you that Jesus didn't say that because he was trying to have a good teaching moment? You know what? This would be just a great... He did that because that's who he is. And you find out who somebody is when it's the toughest. And in that moment, when everything was at his disposition to do whatever he wanted, he forgave. So, let's wade into this. How do you have a healthy soul? Well... If you want your soul to breathe, you have to learn to forgive. To learn to forgive, the first thing you got to do is breathe in forgiveness yourself. This is what Igor Stravinsky said. Sin cannot be undone. It can only be forgiven. You, you can't go back. You can't take the words back. You can't swallow them. You can't, you can't make that right, but you can be forgiven. The scriptures say really clearly that when we were created, we were created to be with God. Our souls long for God. Remember the, the, the words of the psalmist. Like a deer pants for water, my soul longs for you. That was lost. But our souls continued to crave what we were created for. I love the way that John Ortberg puts it. He says this. Our souls seek God with their whole being. Because souls are desperate to be whole, the soul is God-smitten, God-crazy, God-obsessed. So my mind may be obsessed with idols, my, my will may be enslaved to habits, my body may be consumed with appetites, but my soul will never rest until it finds God. Our souls long for God. Connect with God. In the garden, it says that Adam and Eve communed with God. What was that like? Well, the, the image that it uses is that they walked with God. So at night, God would come face to face with them in the garden, and they would walk together and, and talk together. It's this beautiful picture of intimacy. That is lost, but our souls still long for it. So, Whenever in our lives there is what the Bible calls sin, it, it gives disequilibrium to our soul. It, 
our souls get pushed away from God. They don't function in the presence of sin. You have to do something with it. The Bible does not have weighted sins. Well, there's this sin, and then there's, ooh, there's this one, and then there's this one. It's all sin. No matter what it is, it, it separates your soul from God. Paul wrote this. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. That's the Apostle Paul. I don't think he's saying that he, he did like this careful study and he took all the sinners in human history and bummer, he came out on the bottom of the list. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that he came under the conviction of God's spirit and he saw the holiness of God. And when he saw that, you just stop with the comparison. It's just ugly. It needs to be forgiven. So in truth, you can deceive yourself about the stuff in your story. You can lie to yourself. You can find laws that make what's not right, right. You can lie to your spouse. You can lie to, but you can't lie to your soul. Your soul knows. So when something's not right, something in you knows that's not right. And the only thing that can make it right is for it to be forgiven. And that is the good news of the gospel. The message is, the message is not you know what, God is just nice, so it's, it's okay. He's not. He's holy. But he made a way for us to be made pure and right. We need forgiveness to survive. And the good news is, there is forgiveness. I've been using the word as we've done this, the word habit. Forgiveness is not something that you need every once in a while. You need it to breathe every day. The, the scriptures teach us to come every day. Just let God's light shine in your soul and whatever is in there, just say you're sorry and receive his forgiveness. You know how many times you can ask God for forgiveness until he gets tired? I guess nobody's gotten there yet. There isn't one. He longs for us to come and receive forgiveness. The only way that you can learn to forgive is to, to live in the habit of receiving God's forgiveness. I thought the day was going to come when I got older that I would stop sinning for crying out loud. I have not gotten there yet. And I don't think it's going to happen on this side of heaven. And the good news is, the one that's the least surprised by that is God. Breathe it in. Breathe it in. Breathe it in. And then he asks us to breathe it back out. This is what he said to his friends. When you pray, pray like this. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. 
And then at the end of the prayer, verse 14, he, he comes back and he says this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father, he'll, he'll forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Those are hard words. Why would we receive from God his forgiveness totally free and then turn and go, yeah, I'm not going to forgive. That's what Jesus is saying. Paul says the same thing in Ephesians 4. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is not optional. Unforgiveness will destroy your soul. One of the things that trips us up is we confuse forgiveness and reconciliation. They're not the same thing. If you want to get to reconciliation, you have to go by the road of forgiveness. But reconciliation is a two-man two sport. You've got to have two people at least to participate to, to reconcile. Forgiveness is you and God. It's you choosing to forgive. Forgiveness, how, how, how do you know when you need to forgive? Well, it's a great question. I, I would say that when on the computer screen in your mind, a person's name or their, their face pops up and you feel angst, that might be a nudge that there's something you need to forgive. If bitterness pops up, you can just be really sure that's the cure. What, what does forgiveness look like? Well, let me unpack some false notions that we have of forgiveness. When we forgive somebody, what we're not saying is that what happened, the wrong that happened is okay. We're not saying that. We're not saying it wasn't wrong. Nor are we excusing what was done. Nor are we denying the hurt of the situation. To forgive is not to, to be real brave and, that didn't hurt, I'm, I'm just going to let it go. It did hurt. It also doesn't mean, sometimes when we forgive, we think that the next day we need to go on vacation with the person. You don't. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is an inner release of the person. When we've been hurt, and it, it can be unintentionally, it can just be an insensitive thing that happened, or it can be an intentional, it can be a betrayal. Wherever it came from, forgiveness is letting go. Reading a book by R.T. Kendall called Total Forgiveness. If you're looking for a good book on forgiveness, this is excellent. He says this, it's surprising actually, that he says probably 80 to 90% of the things that we need to forgive, the other person doesn't even know that they hurt us. We get hurt, and often the, the person didn't even mean to. It's just in the, in the storm of life, it happened. So what is forgiveness? It's releasing others from the wrong against us. 
It's no longer desiring that they come to justice. It's letting go. It's choosing to not allow that wrong to be in our playlist. Eric and I were talking after the first service. Sometimes you let that go, you erase it off your playlist, and three years later, bloop, it pops back on your playlist and it's saying, let's, let's just revisit this real quick. No. no, 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 get rid of it. Get it off your playlist, get it, take your hands off the person's neck. I've preached on this before. One of the questions that people ask me is, okay, pastor, I get it. But when you say to forgive, is that like, like an event? Is it this thing you do? Or is it this process? Yes. It's both of those things. It, it's not something that all of a sudden it's gone. But it's something that if you don't decide that that's what you're going to do, you will never do it. So it's, and we'll talk about this in just a minute. It's, it's your will engaging in forgiveness and then walking out the process. And sometimes that process can take years. Sometimes it can happen in just a couple minutes. So, third idea. First idea, breathe in forgiveness. To forgive like this, you have to receive the forgiveness of God. And then let him teach you how to do it. One of the other counsels that the New Testament gives us is don't hold your breath. Don't let the sun go down when, you're, when you got something in your soul. He's not saying, like, this is more difficult in the winter because the sun goes down really early. <laughs> what he's saying is keep really short accounts. Don't, don't let this stuff... The, the, the word he uses is a root. He says, see that no one falls short of the grace of God and let no bitter root grow up. In Hebrews, in Ephesians, he says, get rid of all bitterness. Bitterness is this non-productive, toxic emotion that never blesses. Bitterness doesn't bless you. It doesn't bless anybody. It gets in the environment, and it wreaks havoc. It destroys families. It destroys workplaces. Yada, yada, yada. It just destroys. Strangely, often people who are bitter, they can't see it. I mean, it's, it's clear to everybody, but they can't see it. And they can't see it because they're right. Guess what? You don't get to be bitter just because you're right. It will destroy you, whether you're right or wrong or otherwise. So, when you choose not to face the bitterness in your soul, it will never leave by itself. In fact, the image he uses is that it's like a root, and it gets down into your soul, and it grows into a tree. It's like a cancer. You can't always see bitterness, but you can't miss its fruit. It's fruit. It's anger and malice and gossip and anxiety and all this stuff it produces. And the writers of the New Testament say, don't sleep with it. Don't, don't invite it in. Forgive. So here's the last idea before we try to put some practical framework around this. Without oxygen physically, 
you can't live. And I would say, without forgiveness, your soul can't live. Lewis Mead says that forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and then realizing that the prisoner was you. Whatever forgiveness costs us, unforgiveness always costs us more. We pay a higher price when we are bitter than when we forgive. And the bad news is, with bitterness, you pay it over and over and over again. There are just lots of stories through the history of the church of people who have been brutally wronged who have forgiven. And there's no more beautiful picture of the gospel and of life than when that happens. So, let me try to make it practical. This, for this to be life-giving, it has to become a habit. It's not like this one-time thing, okay, anybody, done. This is like every day learning to forgive. My goal is to make the distance between the hurt and the forgive get shorter and shorter and shorter. Live with it a lot less. I'm getting there, but it's, it's a lifelong journey. Make it a habit. Make it a habit to receive God's forgiveness and make it a habit to keep really short accounts. The road to forgiveness always begins with a choice. The first step to forgive is to choose and to keep on choosing. On October 2nd, 2006, a gunman walked into a school in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania and shot five innocent school children and, and wounded others. It was in an Amish community and that night, the leaders of the Amish community took the words and they said, we will forgive. There was a journalist that observed all this, Steve Nolt, and he was so struck by this just totally out of character thing that this community was doing. So he decided to research, he ended up writing a book, Amish Grace, How Forgiveness Transcends Tragedy. And this is his observation. He said, their understanding of, of forgiveness is that it is difficult, it's painful, but replacing bitter feelings towards someone is something that will take time. They began with expressing their intention to forgive with the faith that the emotional forgiveness will follow over the months and years that follow. This is his observation. Why did they do that? They did that because every day they pray the Lord's Prayer and they say these words, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You pray those words every day, it begins to reshape the inside of your soul. And then tragedy strikes and they just did the thing that they did every day. Was it easy? No. The choice opens the door for healing to come, and it also invites God into the process. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is his will. 
So when we forgive, we are participating in an answer to our own prayers. You got to choose to forgive. You may go, okay, Pastor, I get that, but I chose to forgive this person, but then two days later I saw him, and I still wanted to, you don't have to say what you wanted to do. I get it. So did you actually forgive them? Yes. Think about it like this. You got a train going down the tracks, and it gets to this place where there's a, a, a track that goes to the right, and there's one, you're right, my left. You get the picture. It, they're going two different ways. The train will go the way that the locomotive goes. Your soul will go the way that your will chooses. So you choose, okay, I, I can't do this, God, but I will forgive. And you make the choice. If the hurt is really, really, really really deep, the train is really long, and the caboose is where your emotions are and your, your feelings. And it takes a while for it to catch up. But if you will choose, your heart will follow. How do you forgive? You choose. Second thing that's really important in forgiving is is to be honest about the hurt, to grieve the wrong. This is not always necessary. Every time you get hurt, you don't have to take five days and weep. But sometimes it's really deep. And, and you can't really forgive until you feel the pain. So forgiveness is not going, well, it's no big deal, I'll just forgive you. If you haven't felt the hurt, then you're not actually forgiving anything. But it's when you felt that that you can say, I, I, I know what I'm forgiving and I'm making the choice to do that. It hurts. What do you do with that hurt? Where do you put it? Well, you express it. Express it to who? To God. Tell him about it. Even if it's painful, even if you're angry, feel it. Grieving is not a formula it's just admitting to yourself and to God that it hurt. Do it out loud. Write it down. If you get stuck in that place, find somebody to help you. But it's at that place that now the door opens for healing to come. Choose to forgive. Take the time you need to feel the hurt. And then lastly, begin to allow God to change you. He can do it. And he will do it might not happen in a day. Jesus hung between two criminals on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking to? The Caiaphas? The Pilate? To the Jews? The soldiers? His friends who abandoned him? They didn't even know what they were doing. They were conscious of it, but at the deepest level, they didn't know. The one who hurt you, they need to be forgiven in the same way that you do. And part of the process is allowing Christ to help you reinterpret the person and the narrative. Remembering yourself 
you need to be forgiven as much as they do. Tell yourself the truth about yourself. You've made promises that you didn't keep. You've said some really awful things about people. You've let people down. You started projects and you didn't finish them. You're as bad as, put whatever name in there you'd like. But when you begin to remember your own need to be forgiven, Jesus will help you to forgive. Two practical things from Jesus. Practical ways to change maybe the way you feel about the person. One is to stop talking about what they did. If you need to talk to somebody, talk to God. If you're stuck and you have a spiritual mentor that can help you, that's great. Talk to them. But the more people you tell about it, the worse it gets in your own soul. It, it doesn't ever solve anything. Secondly, pray for the person's blessing. That's what Jesus said. Bless those who curse you. When, when God can do that healing in somebody's soul, that is so powerful. I wish that I could tell you that when you get old like me, you don't have to forgive anymore. It just gets easy. It doesn't. Remember, early in our time, uh, we were living in Cote d'Ivoire in West Africa and loving what God had called us to do. And the team we were working on, there was, there was just some tension that was happening. And we thought it was, but we were really busy and didn't think much about it. And one of our colleagues called us one day and said, do you know that everybody on the team is mad at you? Why would they be mad at me? Like, I'm a great guy. Like, what? <laughs> what? So I said, well, if that's true, that's probably not good. Let's have a conversation about it. And I hung up the phone. And then I hung it up, and, and my soul started to turn. Like, you have got to be kidding me. For what? So I'm imagining all this stuff. And so I called an Ivoirian friend of mine, and I said, Brother, I just need you to pray for me. I'm going into a meeting tomorrow, and oh, crying out loud, I'm right. And oh, just pray for me. He said, I'll pray for you. But he said, can I just encourage you not to say anything? I said, no, you can't. <laughs> he said, there is nothing that you could gain that is worth more than what you have in Jesus. So just listen. So I did. That's some of the best counsel anybody ever gave me. I listened, and I was still right. But it's not about being right. It's about walking right with God and with the people he's given you to walk with. Choose to forgive. Keep choosing. Keep choosing. We're going to close this morning with a hymn that I think you all know. And then I want to encourage us to take a moment before we leave. Is there any thorns that have gotten into your soul? 
that maybe you just need to this morning before you leave, just invite God by his spirit to help you to forgive. Not going to all happen this morning, but you can make a choice for it to happen. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked God to forgive you. Can I just tell you this morning, he's just waiting for you to ask. He would love to set you free. Let me pray as the team comes and we'll sing together and then close in prayer. Father, as we sing this song, would you remind us? This, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to a cross, and I bear it no more. Thank you. And if there's things that you need to talk to us about, Holy Spirit, we, we give you permission to do that. Give us ears to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that God will use this message to draw you deeper into a meaningful relationship with Him. Hope Community Church is located in Olmstead Falls, Ohio. If you would like to find out more about our church, please visit us at hopeolmstead.org.